the Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 481. Mr. Savage. Pirate Huzzah! Armates. Ah, uh, Shadi says Natty T's baby brother looked good. Yeah, we'll talk about Pirate today. Uh, the debut winner for Todd Pletcher Saratoga's opening race uh, last Saturday. Uh, son of Omaha Beach, half brother National Treasure. Lots to love about that. But really, was overall that you know a fun weekend. We Saratoga opened up. We had a couple days where they went off the turf, and so what we're going to talk about a little bit today is betting strategies when that happens because Mike. As much as we'd like for it to stay fast and firm, the whole meet, that's just not possible at Saratoga. No, it doesn't happen. I mean, it is it is humid up here on the days it doesn't rain, so you know you're eventually going to get that shower that's coming this way. Uh, I appreciate the fact that they took the quick call off the turf early, at least. Uh, I think it was after the third race they pulled it off the turf versus last year. I know they waited much longer than needed to pull some of those races off the turf. So very happy they made that adjustment, at least with the quick call. Look, you can still be beat profitable on these days. You just have to kind of attack the cards in a different manner, especially when you're seeing three, four horse fields. All of a sudden, if you're playing multi-race bets, you really can't go deep. You've got to be hammering specific opinions. You've got to be looking for exactas that are, you know, paying something. It's just it's a different style of betting versus when you have, you know, 10 horse, 12 horse fields that are full on the turf. And you're going to end up passing more races and more sequences, which I think some people really struggle with, especially when it's Saratoga. Yeah, lots of betting strategies that we'll talk about and review some of the races, but uh, yeah, it'll be a fun show. Let's get into it, buddy. Riders up! All right, Mike, the first race we're going to talk about, opening day, the feature race traditionally is the grade three Schuylerville Stakes for two-year-old Phillies going five furlongs on the dirt. And uh, first-time starter Becky's Joker surprises everyone, well, not everyone, because I know a few people who had her played, but uh, the debut winner for Gary Contessa beats the seasoned horses at 21-1, to uh, demolishing the field and including Wine on Tap, who was the even-money favorite. I want to ask you about the, for, for this race, you've got a first-time starter on a card when there were there was a race for two-year-old maiden fillies that she could have been in, and the trainer Gary Contessa puts her here instead, and you played her. Talk to us about why you made that decision, and at twenty-one to one, why you weren't you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna cash in real big on this. Yeah, this was my must-use horse, or one of my must-use horses on the bombs. Uh, this is one that they had in the pick fours and the pick fives, which was nice. Uh, had it in every tournament I was in, which was nice. It was a nice tournament weekend. The first <laughs> couple days connected with some twenty to ones. Um, look. Contessa's not very good first time out. He's 4%, something like that, I believe. It's either 3 or 4% going into this. The workouts were good, right? If you look at the last five workouts, all of them were legit. Uh, Becky's Joker, this was a, the sire was a um, practical joke, who you all know I love. Uh, <laughs> it just kind of had the makings of why in the world is this horse here? And a lot of times in these two-year-old races, it's a very, very good spot to take shots with prices like this. And Contessa putting this horse in after it worked well in the morning with the, the sire that you have, the fact that, that uh, Castellano gets aboard, you could tell this was a runner. You weren't sure if the horse was going to win, but there wasn't any world beaters signed up here. And when you have first-time starters going in, and it's with a barn that's not good with first-time starters, 
they're telling you they think the horse is exceptional. And that was kind of how I felt that the Becky's Joker hand was tipped here. I was surprised we got 21 to 1 on this horse. I thought she was going to get bet down from the 15 to 1 morning line, not float <laughs> up. Um, and I think Nick makes a good point. She didn't even break that well. And nope. then she had to split horses around the turn and still <laughs> won for fun. So I thought it was a great, uh, great debut from Becky's Joker. And from a handicapping standpoint, this is one of those where – Look, these these two-year-old races don't just look at the best last buyer. Don't just go to go right to that. We saw a forty-six to one Yo-Yo Candy win. We'll talk about that horse in a second. Uh, th- to me, this is one of those spots where you can take shots, especially with horses like first-time starters. And anytime you see a first-time starter in a stakes race at Saratoga, respect the horse. Don't like you have to respect the horse because people aren't just doing it to do it. Because winning a maiden special weight is hard enough, let alone winning a stakes race with a two-year-old. Yeah, and you uh, you guys brought up the fact that uh, she did break a little bit slowly and ran well. She is a very big horse compared to her compatriots at two. And it actually, I was reading about this. Uh, so Gary Contesti, if you don't know, longtime New York trainer, actually retired at one point from training because his business had diminished. He became a kind of a bloodstock agent and a, a primary trainer, or sorry, a private trainer when he, he kind of came back after a year. And then the Lee Pokowick, which I might be saying the last name wrong, is someone who's been supporting Contessa for years, decades. And so he was working as a bloodstock agent and decided, all right, I'll pick back up and train for Pokowick. This filly was actually one that they just were trying to pinhook. They bought her for $130,000 and they tried selling her as a yearling and she wouldn't sell. And tried selling her the March two-year sale, she wouldn't sell. And they kept telling him it's because she's too big. And okay, that's probably why she broke a little bit slow, but that big size compared to other fillies, you know, it helps her when she's getting tired and the fact that she didn't have the race uh, prior into this, I think it was just, you know, a lot that helped her out. She looked very mature though, for, mm-hmm. for being a horse that had never run before. You know, yeah, that looks, that she took dirt in the face, she handled it well and she gets a 75 buyer and it sounds like Contessa is going to give her plenty of time off of this and then target the grade one spin away on September 3rd. Contessa won this race in 2018 uh, with Sipic and Harbor, if you remember her. So he's going to target that race. So uh, a lot still to come, right? We still have a lot of fillies to debut and a lot, you know, get their second races in. Is there anyone else out of this race that you'd like? I know you said there weren't really any world beaters in here, so that's why it helped lead you to Becky's Joker. Yeah, not really. I mean, Wine on Tap was the other horse that I thought was interesting here. No shocker there. You know, dollar, about an even money favorite there. Interestingly enough, the maiden special weight winner in race two, the filly, I believe, for CJ Thoroughbreds got a 80 buyer. So I actually had a yep. better buyer. Yeah, super high. There you go. Um, who got a better buyer than Becky's Joker did winning the stakes, which kind of reinforces you don't really know sometimes with these horses in the second time out after. <laughs> After win one win so uh no i mean i'd be more interested in sugar high than any of the horses that came out of this race uh, i thought her debut was actually really professional as well was stocked outside of horses was able to kind of just run too wide around the far turn and take take care of business down the lane i think becky's joker has a shot at improving quite a bit off this though so I, to me it's it's becky's joker and sugar high out of this uh, this first day at saratoga for the two-year-old Phillies. Moving over to Friday, we had two stakes, including the uh, race four was the Wilton Stakes. These are for uh, three-year-old fillies that have never won a stakes other than state bred. And a field of five, scratched down to four. We'll talk about Sacred Wish. And actually, I'll mention real quick, Sacred Wish, trained by George Weaver, uh, has hit the board in four or five starts, was second in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Uh, off of a maiden win. She's scratched out of that. They're targeting the CCA Oaks this coming weekend, which is a grade one race going nine furlongs. Much bigger race than the Wilton. Uh, Much tougher competition. But it's interesting that George Weaver makes that decision with her. 
when you get to this race, Mike, and it's is, say scratches come out on Friday and you see we're, we're off the turf. We'll talk about that in a second. But we're also down to four horses in here. How do you play this from a vertical perspective? Man, I, I'm going short. I mean, it, to me, it's it's one of those spots where, especially with this race, where it, this was a two-horse race in my mind. It was a seed who ends up running fourth here for Chad Brown and randomized who, who wins the race for Chad Brown. Uh, really just those two. And, and, like, Nick brings up a good point. I didn't bet this race. Look, I, I really shrink up on the, the, the style of tickets that I play when I'm looking at these fields, right? Every single thing I had was singled through a seed. I, I like to seed more than randomized. Horse sucked. That was unfortunate. Uh, but all of my multi-bets were just singled through a seed because I'm not going to use the two of them. And I didn't like Unsung, uh, Unsung Melody or Just Catherine. Now, had I known this race, had I known the track was going to play the way it was, I probably would have singled randomized. The Wilton track wasn't great for speed all last year. That Wilton shoot with a one-mile shoot at Saratoga holy biscuit speed was good out of that thing this this weekend i, I think they went five and oh and you'll notice here the, that one all the way across the top line that's going to be a normal thing as we go through this year there's a speed was very good on this dirt track going two turns on that wilden shoot going one mile on the dirt so uh speed definitely a positive from this and, and to me that's that's one of the big takeaways i had this weekend is that you want to be forwardly placed specifically at that mile shoot and it was the opposite last year and randomize it being a Chad Brown horse with Irad riding and, and being the Clarevich stable silks that are on the filly. She's going to get bet in her next start. It sounds like it'll be the grade one test, a seven furlong race. That's August 5th. Interestingly enough, pretty mischievous. You're a Kentucky Oaks champion. That's also where she's targeting uh, is the seven furlong test. Randomized, her two wins have been in front running fashion. The other times when she doesn't get the lead, she's terrible. And you saw that in the acorn uh, where she got dirt in her face and was never close to a pretty mischievous in that spot. So be careful with her. In this case, it worked out like Mike said, it, you know, especially because speed was holding so well at Saratoga. The times weren't great for her. She did what she was supposed to. If you better, great. But if you move forward and you, you know, face more than four horses and maybe some extra pace pressure, and if she doesn't have it, you know, maybe the post isn't good for her. Be very careful with randomize. It seems like things have to go just right for her. And it's a Chad Brown filly on dirt, right, Mike? We're not expecting her really to. This isn't Chad Brown's forte. So we're not expecting her to be some crazy world beater. Uh, Exceed, it sounds like Chad Brown said they're going to just go back to the drawing board with her because that's pretty, you know, it's two races now in a row that she's run pretty poorly. Um but yeah, not, not much else to talk about from that one. This one will be interesting because the Coronation Cup, same card, race nine, was supposed to be five and a half furlongs on the turf, gets taken off. The track is fast, but you lose Love Reigns, you use uh, My Sweet Affair, Love Appeals, Bossarati, all those fillies gone from this. And suddenly there's four horses. The MTO was four to five favorite and didn't get the win. So how do you attack a race like this? I mean, do you just kind of, do you just go for the MTOs? What's your strategy? This is actually one of my biggest scores over the weekend. Um, I had a huge double here with the seven into the 15 in the last, um, and I had singled up the seven and pressed pick fives or pick fours, uh, which was pretty fortunate over the weekend because uh, we had the the one horse who won the race right before this, um, who was, what was it, 20 to one, I think it was, the Think About It, uh, was the horse that we talked about on the Magic Mike Show Live. Um, but $74 yeah, daily double for a buck is what it paid. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't so bad. We talked about Think About It quite a bit on uh, on the Magic Mike show and also on uh, Dude Super Daily if you caught either of those. But this mm -hmm. one was really interesting because I like the nine going into the race uh, or going through the cap. And then I watched the replay. Um, and replays are really important, especially in some of these spots where the six, the seven, and the nine were all coming out of the same race. And notice the cutback specifically where that was a six furlong race. I think it was a Jersey girl um, that they yep. all ran in. And 
the nine needed all every bit of those six furlongs to get by the seven. And the track today was also favoring towards speed. The track on the 14th was favoring towards speed. To me, this was a uh, this turned into a single for me because I felt like the seven would have won that race at five and a half. The seven was set up well to win this race again. And the seven didn't break. The six broke like a rocket. That's why the six was in the lead two back in the Jersey girl. This time we seven just went gate to wire. It was a very, very easy cash at that at 275 to one. You have to pay a lot of attention to these short fields because you get good prices. That horse never should have been close to three to one in this spot. But because of everything that happened, because of all the scratches and because the the public is just going to hammer down that nine horse, sometimes fading the favorite in these short fields is a very, very good thing because it's able to get you bigger uh, prices when you that you should in both the daily doubles, the pick threes, pick fours and just in the win pool. We'll talk about that'll be something that comes up in the next race we talk about uh, on Saturday as well. Uh, kind of like the Wilton, you just had a horse that, that kind of got off to an easy lead, especially because Wild Hawk, that looked like the other speed, broke pretty slowly, and then they, you know, all the Unified Alliance had to do was beat Anna's Arabesque to the turn, and it would flow on Anna's Arabesque, and that's probably going to happen. He's not yeah. going to be that, uh, uh, that aggressive. Also, nice to see Javier Castellano just continue to have, like, a, a career-defining year for him. Like, he comes to Saratoga and just keeps winning the stakes races. I know it's off turf. It's not going to show up on his resume at the end of the year. Uh, he continues to have himself a hell of a year. So, uh, that's good. It's amazing what new agents can do. We saw Castellano before Saratoga yes. get a new agent last year, and, and he has had a resurgence in his career this year. We saw Jose Ortiz switch over to IRAD's agent and all of a sudden Jose on is a real thing. Like you have to pay attention because he is getting significantly better mounts than he was when it was his own agent. So it's amazing how the, the jockey agent matters, especially in these major meets for some of these big time jockeys. Well, stop me if you've heard this one before, Mike, Chad Brown has four of the five horses in the grade one Diana stakes and he wins with the longest shot on the board. For the second straight year, this has happened. Last year, it was actually in Italian uh, who got, won the grade one Diana Stakes. Bleecker Street was a four to five favorite, finished third. Chad Brown won one, two, three, four that year. Didn't go one, two, three, four this year. Fev Rover messed that up, but still got the longest price of the Chad Browns, and it was White Beam beating in Italian. This was kind of a frustrating race if you're a big Italian fan because you, you, at the top of the stretch or even kind of halfway through the far turn, Mike, you're just screaming at Iran, just open it up, let her go, let her use her speed. And from my perspective, it seemed like that just kind of, he didn't hit press go quickly enough and Flavian Pratt had a perfect ride on her to, uh, to keep White Beam in range. I was shocked that this was the other, other, other Chad Brown. How was White Beam the fourth Chad Brown choice? I mean, I... I I love White Beam. We, this was one of my best bets when the, the, the one of the Preakness. I think it was Preakness weekend, either Preakness or Belmont weekend. I don't remember which was the last time White Beam ran. Uh, if you go back to the race, two back, the horse chased a wildly slow pace and then closed in like 22 and change in the final quarter mile. You can't let White Beam be close. This horse has a closing kick, and that's what an Italian did. I agree with you. I, I, we talked about this on Dude's Who Bet Daily. Like, in Italian, you go 109 and still keep going. Why are we going 111 and 0.86? Like, why aren't we trying to stretch this out more? I realize there's only five horses. I realize you got an easy lead, but you let White Beam be close to you when you could have been eight lengths ahead, seven lengths ahead, and really made White Beam A, chase, and B, have to close gaps versus really just a length or so was the most that, that we ever really saw from a gap perspective here. So, I, I mean, yeah, turning for home, I thought it'd be tough to catch in Italian, but turning for home, I also thought White Beam was a lot closer than I thought I expected white beam to be in this spot so a really interesting ride for my red not to open up in italian uh interested to see what happens 
when we get uh, the next race with these two. Like, I would expect an Italian going to be a heavy favorite again. I think White Beam might be overbet off this effort. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see price-wise how we move forward. But this was pretty frustrating. I, I had a large 2-5 exacta. Um, I w- played it back for a good chunk, 5-2. So at least I, I cashed something. But it would have been yep. better if we sent it 2-5. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, Nick Feldman brings up a, a point that says it probably seals the deal for connections for in Italian. Getting beat at nine furlongs here. Miles probably, especially with her speed in Italian, seems like that's a, a great distance for her, especially as she gets a little older here. You think maybe they target the Breeders' Cup turf mile with her as long as she kind of comes out of this race okay? I think they got a lot of options with her. They could end up in the, the Phillies and turf again. They could end up in the turf mile. I think she'd have a good shot in either of those races. Um, I mean, she ran her eyeballs out in the Breeders' Cup last year and ends up second to, I believe it was Tuesday, that ended up running her down late. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I, look, if this means that you get in 7 to 5, 8 to 5 on an Italian next time, that might be the best thing that could happen for you because that there is a then some value there in both singling the doubles the wind pool all that jazz so we'll see what happens coming out of this uh, i don't think this is a knock against an italian i agree with you i read probably should have gone a little bit faster early <laughs> i'm looking up right now i someone mentioned that the race that they're both targeting at keeneland the jenny white no no the jenny wiley's in the fall first lady stakes the first lady stakes at keeneland uh, which is a Breeders' Cup winning year in for the Philly and Mare Turf. Uh, that's where they're both targeting in October. Uh, and Michael Olson brings up a great point before we move on. You know, white beams better than fluffy socks. How is fluffy socks 80 cents on the dollar shorter than white? I mean, fluffy socks never does better than price. third. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how market segmentation or fluffy so- socks were a shorter price than white beam. I mean, this is a horse that was third off the layoff, third North North America, who had a legit excuse in the first race, looked dominant in the second race, is closing in sub-22 seconds, sub-23 second final <laughs> quarters. Like, I, I was shocked White Bean was the largest of the Chad Browns. Uh, five races later, the grade three Kelso stakes, starting off the late pick three. And uh, a lot of us talked about on the Dudes Who Bet Daily that morning. We thought this was a two to three horse race. And the two horses we all agreed were very, uh, very lethal in here. The top two finishers, Annapolis, who goes off as your four to five favorite. And your boy, Casa Cree, gets the job done at two to one. Uh, he had Annapolis measured uh, every step of the way, got the jump on him. And, and I thought this was just another picture-perfect Casa Creed ride. But this is your boy, so I'll let you talk about him. Yeah, it was fun to see Casa Creed win in person. Uh, I had not gotten that chance. And we've talked about this horse so much. Nice. One of the, the original ones that we talked about at Gulfstream that they got a nice pick four for us. And has really turned into just a phenomenal horse and a great story. Seven-year-old now, uh, able to rack up graded stakes after graded stakes, sprinting, going one mile, just really really cool horse i you know when this turf course starts to get some water in it it generally it's hard to go gate to wire i think this was a great example of that i mean you didn't go that fast early for this level and yet we saw horses really back up uh, anaconda ran terribly from a perfect sitting perfect trip ends up running last casa creed uh comes from the middle of the pack able to make a nice move and look just got the jump on annapolis i think it's just that simple right i mean annapolis was as fast down the lane but not faster, and Casa Creed got the jump and made Annapolis go wider than Casa Creed had to going into it. Um, so I, this is one where I, I, you really got to tip your hat to Casa Creed, just another phenomenal effort. And I wouldn't I wouldn't shit all over Annapolis for the effort either. Mm-hmm. I think this was a pretty good an- effort from Annapolis in a spot where I don't think, uh, I don't think we can really fault him for the second-place finish. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So, Casa Creed obviously loves Saratoga. Annapolis does too. He had two wins in a second coming into this, and then now he's, he's two wins, two seconds, and four starts here. 
Um, you know, the, both times that he's lost, he was a little farther behind than usual. Chris Mello asked, did he have trouble with the break? Pletcher said he got bumped a little bit and was off a step slow. So that was that was part of why he wasn't closer early. But also, Saez on Casa Creed made sure that he knew where that horse was and that he had Annapolis to his inside. And that was smart because, it you know, it kind of like what we saw Forte in the Florida Derby. He came in the turn and he had to wait for someone else to go by him. In that case, it was Mage with Forte. In this case, he wasn't able to run down Casa Creed. So um, I think you take both these horses moving forward. The fact that Big Everest ended up getting the kind of early lead he did and still didn't hold on, he might just have peaked. We might have seen the best of Big Everest at three, and he just isn't of this elite level of a turf sprinter. Um, I I would, I think that you you don't hold this against philo de ariana or big everest that much I, I think this was a very very hard track to go gate to wire on or be forwardly placed over this turf course at this time and when you look at the time and you see 23 and 23.35 47 flat basically it doesn't sound fast for this level but over this turf course which the speed was tiring once there got once we got rain on on the i think it was the 14th we got the rain the 15th all day speed was quitting so i i'm not going to completely knock them um i would say that they they're horses that you should demand price on but i think you're going to get it because of this effort because it looks bad on paper and if you don't <laughs> put it in contact with the rest of the day it's pretty tough to to try and uh make the argument as to why they ran so poorly well we had the top two choices betting wise uh finish uh one two two one technically cost to create second choice at two to one but that's how race nine goes Race 10, very different story from a price perspective. As soon as Gold Sweep, your heavy 1-5 to five favorite, stumbles, goes to his face at the break, almost loses Jose Ortiz. As soon as that happened, Mike, it was wide open for this mm-hmm. one. Yo-Yo Candy's not the horse that I expected to pick up the pieces, but he is the one that did it, 46-1. to one. What did you make of this race? Ah, uh, shit show. I mean, look, <laughs> uh, Yo-Yo Candy winning was surprising. Um, I thought that, that Call the Cavalry was going to win pretty easily uh, around the mm-hmm. far turn. I mean, it just looked like we were going to get in the perfect trip here with the one horse called the Cavalry who was sitting on the rail. Uh, Yo-Yo Candy kind of beat him to a spot, but really, I, he wasn't good enough. Yo-Yo Candy was just better. Um, I, I thought the Dickens, the horse we talked about, was interesting, ran well, but again, like not that good. Triple Tray, another one we talked about, not that good. Uh, and that really is what this field was, is not that good. Um, it, it was just, it was a bad field. Uh, Yo-Yo Candy's not a very good horse. Um, gold sweep, no work near that 91 buyer that we saw. Because even if you run back to anything close to that, even with the break, this horse wins. Um, and it just didn't. So I, to me, look, the only horse out of here that I have any interest in is gold sweep. The problem is that gold sweep will be over bet. And so it's really hard for me to then be like, yeah, I really want to stable up gold sweep, who's going to be four to five next time out. No, that's, that's <laughs> not how you make money doing playing horses. So to me, this is a Chuck everybody race. I think Dickens is interesting if he goes back to Florida. And that that to me is something that if you want to tag Dickens for a horse in Florida and you're able to get any type of price on him, to me, that that's one thing I think you could take out of this. Um, outside of that, this is a pretty bad race. Yeah, I really, as, uh, was kind of hyping up Dickens to hit the board, and he did, but uh, on the dudes who bet daily because of that Florida forum, and I thought the the way that the ownership uh, and the breeder runs things with Dickens, I was very intrigued on. So, yeah, go back to Florida, the Florida Sire Stakes. I know that it, there's three different uh, Florida bred races that he's eligible for. The biggest one has a $500,000 purse. I might be a little off on that, but it's huge. A lot of mine to be made down there, so watch out for him. Um uh, you know, interesting, Chris Milo brings up a good point. Forte lost this race as a two-year-old with a similar trip. Um, 
that field he, last he, year was a lot better than this field this year. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think. Like, well, Frenze was in that field. I can't remember who ended up winning, but it was a Cox horse that was good. Like this was a mess of a field. Like there, you know, there there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't any of the other hyped horses from New York. There wasn't any of the Brad Cox horses that were coming in here. I mean, we were talking about like Coach having a horse that could win this race. Uh, so Ayaz <laughs> ends up on a Woodbine Shipper. Like it is, or I read Ortiz on McPeak uh... horse. Like it's this is this was not the same caliber as last year's race. Uh, one note I want to make, call the cavalry. He was vanned off, but it, it, it did find out afterwards that he did. He cooled off fine. He's okay. So that was nice to see. That was a McPeak horse that we were interested in. Uh, with it being a McPeak, you'll probably see him in the hopeful as well. Yo-Yo Candy uh, sounds like that's where he is aiming uh, for trainer Daniel Velasquez. But a horse that everybody was talking about for the hopeful nine races earlier. Pirate gets the job done on debut. A short price favorite. Two to five is what he went off. Or sorry, just under two to five. Uh, is what he went off as, took a lot of pace pressure from Arteta, kicked away, and then ends up winning by three lengths. This is the younger half-brother of your Preakness champion this year, National Treasure, also a son of Omaha Beach. For, this is the first crop for Omaha Beach, and Mike, those Omaha Beach horses have been firing like crazy, so not a surprise at all that he wins, but a very impressive effort nonetheless. Yeah, uh, look... I, I didn't love this horse first out because this feels like a horse that's going to be better going longer, which is pretty scary considering how well Pirate ran first out. And like, I don't love these first time starters breaking from the rail. To me, that also can be an issue. Uh, but Pirate had no trouble here. And look, Omaha Beach out of National Treasure's mom, pretty good setup there. This horse could be very good. Uh, surprised the sell sales price wasn't more than the 325, something like that. I think this is going to be a really productive race. Uh, look, Just Steel, just put this horse on turf. We'll see if that actually happens because it's a Dwayne Lucas horse, but just scream <laughs> turf pedigree to me because you have turf on the bottom with an Australian graded stakes winner and um, I, what was it? Uh, America Pharaoh on the top. So it just screams turf over turf to me there. So we'll see what happens with Just Steel. Special Element, I think, is a runner. Uh, we talked about this one on the show um, on Saturday, the, the day this race ran on, on Dudes Who Bet Daily. Uh, Special Element, sold for a wild multiple for a, a, a silver bullet or copper bullet, whatever his dad. Copper name. bullet, yeah. yeah copper <laughs> horse. Stands for 7,500. The horse sold for like 300,000. Uh, it didn't break well and still, I thought, ran a very, very good race. So I, I think the first three horses in this race were all very good horses. Pirate's going to be the one that everyone's going to talk about out of it, but I, I would stable up Just Steel and Special Element as well. Uh, the five Arteta was a... At first, I was like, well, I was disappointed in that because I thought he was interesting. It was a George Weaver two-year-old, and George Weaver's been doing very well, but also owned by Kerry Radcliffe, who was a former Bloodstock agent. And this, to me, felt like a horse that they were trying to get to pop early, and then they could flip for a really nice uh, private purchase. Uh, he dueled outside of Pirate early and then just kind of quit, didn't have any experience. Curious to see what he does next out, but also watch the price because he was just under 6-1 to one here. He'll probably be lower than that because he's coming out of the Pirate race. But yeah, Pirate was... So fantastic. And again, we've got a long ways to go and many, many horses to debut and run between now and, and early September when the hopeful stakes is. But you got to like what you saw from Pirate. Uh, he went five and a half years, seven furlongs the way he ran. Probably not going to be an issue for him. No, no, he wasn't really pressed at the end of this race either. He, he galloped home and, and won this one pretty easy. Uh, Charles B says works at Saratoga, wins at Saratoga. Uh, there, I saw an interesting stat from Horse Racing Nation. Uh, all but one of the winners um, at Saratoga that were two-year-olds so far, every single one of them worked at Saratoga. Anybody who shipped, there was one shipper from Keeneland. I don't know who it was, but uh, other than that, if you were working at Parks and you weren't working at Saratoga, you didn't win. If you were working at Belmont, 
shipped up to Saratoga without training here, you didn't win. So uh, it's just one weekend, small sample size, but an interesting thing to uh, to see. And, and Smogington says we got more Omaha Beach progeny to Saratoga. Look out for those. The Omaha beaches are just firing every track. I mean, Indiana Grand was having them, uh, Gulfstream, all Belmont, all over the place. Yeah, Omaha Beach and Army Mule. Don't fade those two right now. They've both been absolutely stellar. Um, and the, the thing about Saratoga, especially with like Pletcher, with Brown, they tip their hand with who are their better horses based on where they work them. And if you see a brown horse who's worked five times at Monmouth and coming to start at Saratoga, probably not the best horse in the world. <laughs> like it, 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 it didn't have the, 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 essentially the juice to be able to get one of the Saratoga stalls because the stalls are limited at Saratoga. So if you know they're working at Saratoga for some of the big barns, they're generally going to be their better two-year-olds. And Bleecker Street, kind of the, uh, you could say the exception to the rule there. She trained and started at Monmouth and stuff, but she also surprised Chad Brown. He even said, we didn't think she was going to be this good. Yeah. Uh, she, well, and then she ended up losing to Diana, so maybe she wasn't all that good anyway. Uh, Sunday, we were back off the turf, and this time the main track was sloppy sealed. That meant the quick call stakes lost lots of horses, including Nona Hudson, Eyewitness, Gaslight Dancer, all gone. You did the preview for this race. You highlighted, you, which I thought was genius that you did. You said, if we're on the turf, here's who I like. If we're off the turf, here's who I like. That way, there's no question about which horses I like in here. And you said, if it's off the turf, look out for the Larry Ravelli horse on cash, who is now four straight wins, five of six overall on dirt. Never tried turf. Doesn't matter. He was super fast. Wengate to wire here is your six to five favorite very easily. So hats off to you for making sure that on cash was on your off turf ticket. Yeah, look, this was a pretty easy one once once it got scratched off. I thought it was a, a really a two-horse race on cash in the seven. Better days ahead. Better days ahead did uh, did not get out of the gate very well and was kind of a scratch-off race here. So I'm interested in better days ahead coming back. We'll see what happens. Joe Sharp trains that one. Luis Saez wrote it. Uh, yeah, on cash to me, look, this was a great spot to play this horse. It was a dirt horse against turf horses. You had two AEs in here, Joey Freshwater and Acoustic Avenue, who were cut below uncashed. Uh, so... Uh, this is a pretty easy horse to find in dollar twenty-eight. You know, you're not going to toot my own horn very much here. Uh, <laughs> this is a horse I want to fade if they leave him on the turf. This is a horse I'm probably going to fade if he goes onto the turf or under the dirt. I, like to me, this is either way. If we if we go back to turf sprinting and try and get him in a turf sprint, I'm probably fading him because uh, he's going to be the favorite now. And if we go to one of the dirt sprints. I'm probably fading him here, right? Because it just doesn't feel like this is was a legit group of sprinters. As Chris Mello brings up, I can't wait to fade on cash in a legit race like the Jerkins. Yeah, if, if he's in the Jerkins, he's going to be bet. We'll talk, you know, maybe not the favorite, but he'll be three to one, four to one. Mm -hmm. And that is just a takeout reducer in my mind, because I think it's going to be very, very difficult for this horse to win that type of race. One thing I will say is it'll be interesting to see if I read stays on, because if he stays on uncashed in the Jerkins, I will be a little more hesitant to just completely fade him because he's going to have his choice of mounts in that race, in a race like that. He will be able to pick from multiple horses who are super talented. And if he is deciding the talented horse he wants to be on is the Ravelli horse, usually is a pretty good sign. The uh, the Jerkins should have a horse like Drew's Gold as long as he's still in trade. Lots of there's a lot of good dirt sprinters who are winning or, or performing well in these big races. And so yeah, I agree with you as well. This is he beat a bunch of turf horses. Lavelli did say they're going to keep him on dirt. Uh, he said we don't need to experiment after a win like this. So yeah, that's fair. I mean that and I think that's the right move for him. Don't put him on turf. Yeah, unless his dirt form falls off. But this is the best dirt field he's beaten. I mean, he, he won it like Prairie Meadows, no offense, Prairie Meadows and Hawthorne. And like, <laughs> and now, yes, he has a Saratoga win, but okay. The two is a turf horse. The six is a turf horse. The 12 is not very good. Like the seven didn't fire. <laughs> the 11 okay. Like, but if you put 
if you put Joey Freshwater in the Jerkins, he's thirty to one. Like what? Like yeah. isn't that you know? So can we really get that excited here when he was three to one in this spot? So I, I mean, to me, this was the day you cashed on uncashed, and and uh, next time out's the time you try trying to beat him. I'm looking ahead to see the Jerkins is uh, August 26th going seven furlongs. That would give him uh, five or six weeks, probably six yeah. weeks. So that's probably. Yeah, that seems like the logical uh, next step. And it's Ravelli's got the win over the surface. You got to think he's going to go uh, point him to that race. I know, Mike Lawson, you said you thought that was crazy, but nah, it's Larry Ravelli. He's going to take a shot with it. And you're not going to not going to be too shocked by that one. Uh, that was the weekend that was, Mike. Looking ahead to what we've got at Saratoga this week. First of all, Wednesday we're we're that uh, we're not going to be starting Wednesday through Sunday at Saratoga. And the first race, you've got the 2 and one sixteenth mile AP Smittick Memorial, grade one for hurdlers. So uh, I don't know if you're going to go to the track in time to watch the hurdlers. I can't stand to watch that stuff. Um, so that won't be for me, but you've got that one. And then we have two NYSSS uh, races, the Cab Calloways on Thursday, the Statue of Liberty on Wednesday. But then you look to Friday, the Curlin Stakes, that's the nine furlong race for uh, uh, horses that haven't won a stakes race longer than a mile, which is why uh blazing sevens is eligible for it because he has that mile win the lake george on turf and then the cca oaks is the headliner saturday going a mile and an eighth nest uh oh sorry that is for three-year-old fillies nest will be in sunday's shuvie stakes we expect that to be a short field uh as she makes her big return to the races but we also got the haskell coming up this week and i think that's where a lot of people's focus is going to be at least as far as Saturday goes, uh, it is frustrating. They're not going to draw it until Wednesday because now we just want to we just want to see what the Haskell field's going to be. But it's exciting. We, you know, Saratoga is officially out, and this feels like the summer racing is going to really build a lot of momentum, Mike. Ah, uh, Delmar opens this weekend. I mean, like, it, it, <laughs> yeah, buried that one too, didn't I? Didn't mean to. <laughs> pretty good, like. So we've, we're going to have Saratoga running with multiple graded stakes this weekend. We're going to have the Haskell going on Saturday. We've got Del Mar opening this weekend. I pretty darn good weekend to be a horse racing fan. So excited to see this one coming up. Uh, I can't wait for Del Mar. I love Del Mar, so I can't wait for Del Mar to go. And I'm pumped. I'm going to be able to be at Del Mar the last weekend of this month as well. So to, to, i got to say, I've never done this before, but I'm pretty excited that this weekend I'll be at Saratoga and the following weekend I'll be at Del Mar. So I'll get to see both tracks back-to-back weekends, uh, both coasts. It's going to be a fun little thing. I can't wait for this weekend. It's going to be a blast. Looking forward to seeing Nest run. I I like how Saratoga has been doing this where, look, if we have these short fields and these stakes races, we're putting them the third or fourth race on the day. I would expect you're going to see that that same thing uh, on Sunday's card uh, with the Shuvie where it's not going to be in the late pick five, not going to be in the pick six, but it still will be a fun race to have there. You could try and press the heck out of it through the early pick five if you want to. Um, So so I'm looking forward to it. I, I love these stakes races. It's so much fun to have the horses. We were walking through the Hall of Fame and they, they were talking about the inductees into the Racing uh, Hall of Fame this year. And the horses were California Chrome, which is a horse that Jen and I dressed up as for a beer pong tournament uh, when he was going trying to win the Triple Crown in the Belmont. Songbird, who I remember seeing run at Saratoga and then out at, at Santa Anita. And uh, Arrogate, who obviously won the Traverse here and set the track record. So just awesome when you get to walk through that type of thing. You're like, holy crap, the horses <laughs> I've seen run here. And what you've seen at Saratoga, and now getting the, the opportunity to see that again this weekend, something that's always special. I'll remind everyone that Mike also spent uh, a week in Hawaii not that long ago. So if Mike ever comes on here and complains about being tired, just tell him to shut up. That's what the rest of us do. My body has no clue where I am, but my my 
I'm very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, that's good. I'm excited for you. Uh, I'm jealous, but that's that's why I keep making fun of you for it. Yeah, and next weekend you picked a good time to go to Del Mar because open. I, I I didn't mean to bury Del Mar opening this week, but they don't. They kind of do a soft opening. They've got restricted stakes races. There's the mile and a half Cougar that Tis a Magician used to like to win, but that's a mile and a half on dirt, so it's really nothing too exciting. But the weekend you'll be there. You've got the Grade One Bing Crosby Stakes. Uh, and the San Diego Handicap. The San Diego is the prep for the Pacific Classic. The Bing Crosby is a win and you're in for the Sprint, which remember the Breeders' Cup is going to be held at Santa Anita. So you'll see a lot of those horses again later. So you've got a good weekend to be going there as well. So, you know, you'll have a lot of fun. Uh, Husker Butch is also running this weekend at Prairie Meadows. I can't remember if it's Friday or Saturday, but running at Prairie Meadows for Aaron. So uh, watch for that one. That's going to be exciting. He's in a 30K claimer, nine winners of two lifetime, I believe. So. Uh, they're going to get him starter allowance eligible, Mike. And then from there, we're going to go off to, uh, I think he's going to go to Saratoga for a starter allowance with Husker Butch. I think that's what Aaron said. Yeah. So if anyone wants to put in 30 K, we can claim Husker Butch from Aaron and have some fun with this. So let me know if you <laughs> want to start the magic Mike stables and we can, we can pull it together and we can own Husker Butch. Shoddy, this is for you. Uh, here is a picture of that costume. Oh, oh. I got to take down the, the magic. There we go. I got you. Go. Yeah, so that was us dressed up as uh, as California Chrome on Belmont Day at a beer pong tournament. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, the purple and green there, the silks. From California Chrome's uh, original owners, uh, I think that's from the, the Perry Martin. Uh, it reminds me, I actually made purple and green. I didn't mean to do it this way, but I made purple and green thumbnail colors for the video that Aaron did. Talking about Golden Gate Fields closing, which is actually pretty sad uh, in the sense that, you know, we're losing another track in America. Uh, it's a very beautiful track, but also tournament-wise, NHC-wise, that's a very popular track. You have made your name uh, partially playing the Golden Gate Fields uh, at NHC, so... Uh, sad to see that go, but also sad for the you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people who are losing jobs. And are they going to relocate eight hours south from there? I don't know. That's that seems hard. The horses, where are they going to go? All that to say, Aaron did a fantastic job with the video over at YouTube.com/slash/racing dude. It's kind of explaining everything that's happening and what could happen next. And uh, the move was made to try and booster Santa Anita and SoCal racing. I think is you know objectively, Mike. I think we can agree that California just needs to have one circuit at a time with the field sizes. Uh, it's just a sad thing, and and I know you especially because of your NHC success with Golden Gate Fields. You got to be pretty sad about this. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this was uh, pretty poorly handled all around. I think Golden Gate Fields has been pretty poorly run. I've been talking about it for two years where this should be a track that's running at night on Mondays and Tuesdays and, and like covering some of those dark days where there aren't other tracks running. They could be the premier track if they started at, you know, four o'clock on Wednesday, on, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They would get so much action because they would be the, the one track in town. Uh, also a bummer that like, hey, we're going to run thoroughbreds at Los Al, but we can't keep Golden Gate open for like to find a, a meet there to have. Like it, to me, it's just uh, interesting that this is this is going to be the one that falls by the wayside. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of these horses go to Emerald. I think you're going to see a lot of these horses mm -hmm. go north, not south. Um, and that's not going to bolster the fields like California races and expecting. It's just a bummer, man. This is a cool track. If you haven't been there, try and get there this year. Uh, it, you know, just a fun racetrack to go to. And I, I you know, we'll see what happens too with uh, with uh, the, the announcer as well because I, I love him up there. And it, we'll see what he's able to do or where he's able to go.
Yeah, Matt Dinnerman and announcer Golden Gate Fields. It sounds twice his age. He's actually younger than Mike and I, but you listen to him, you think he's a lot older than that. Uh, I'd love to see him go. I think Oakland still is technically open, right? They haven't named a new one, but he definitely, I agree with you, he deserves to be on a bigger stage. It, I always thought you know, he would go off and do bigger and better things uh, once he left Golden Gate Fields. Now he's kind of being forced to leave, so we'll see where he goes. Uh, but he is a fantastic announcer, fantastic handicapper, and fantastic guy. If you ever see him, he's extremely friendly, extremely nice, uh, loves talking horse racing and meeting people. So if you ever see Matt Dinderman, uh, make sure you give him a shout. Uh, yeah, very awesome. He's great. I, he comes down to Del Mar a lot. You might actually, uh, you might see him at Del Mar. Um, uh, he spends a lot of his summer down here until they go back there. So uh, we'll see what happens. But that's the news. That's today for the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining us. Talking about Saratoga is the opening weekend. We hope you had a lot of fun. Uh, you can all remember you always visit racingdudes.com and you can get the best bets, the free picks, all that stuff, the sum of bombs for Saratoga in every race, every track across the country. Dudes Who Bet Daily has been doing very, very, very well with the baseball bets. We missed you while you're in Hawaii. It's good to have you back because we're now showing a nice uh, solid ROI for the Dudes Who Bet Daily. But you can also check that out every Wednesday through Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's usually a combination of Mike, myself, Aaron and Papa Dude, so uh, we'd love to have you there talking sports as well. Before we get out of here, Mike, anything else you want to add? No, I'm just going to be looking forward to this week, uh, going staying in a tiny house over the, the next weekend. So Lily's birthday was yesterday, so we were celebrating okay. her 50th birthday. And uh, she went. we went and found a tiny house hotel in upstate New York where it's only tiny houses. Uh, and so we're, we're going <laughs> and checking that out. And, and she, she, like, she made this goat friend named Percy. So Percy the goat still there, going excited to go check it up there as well. So uh, yeah, look, look, this is gonna be fun. I love being up here in Saratoga. Love being up here in New York. It's an absolute blast. Uh, if you don't get, if you haven't gotten the opportunity to go out to the track, like make sure you're going out to the track. And Saratoga is one of the best. It's cheap to get in. You can sit in the backfield. Just bring a lawn chair, bring a cooler. Oh, can I can I just say something real quick? I got so pissed off at people tweeting the price of beer and the tri- price of alcohol and the price of food at Saratoga and saying it was egregious. You can walk in the front gate with a cooler with as much booze as you want, <laughs> any way you want. You're not allowed to say the price to buy a drink here is crazy high when you can literally walk in with as much shit you can drink for free. Like it, Because that is just poor planning if you're buying drinks or you don't care about spending the money. Either one's fine, but don't complain about the cost of drinks when they literally let you bring drinks in. And rant. I love it. I was not expecting that. That is great. Uh, <laughs> uh, what the, the, I'm still wrapping my head around. You're going to go to... Does your tiny house have air conditioning? I have no idea. I, I did not go last year. It, might be, a, it might be a muggy tiny house. Because <laughs> I, was, I was at a golf tournament. Um, so we're going to see how this works. I mean, I went to Japan for... Uh, a, a, I think it was two weeks when Jen and I went there. And I hit my head at least once a day. So I, I guarantee I'm coming <laughs> back with a bumped head. You come have that. I came back from the beach yesterday. I, I did get. I have a, a burn, but I put sunscreen on. Uh, but it was windy, so when I was doing the side of my arms, the wind was just blowing it away, and I didn't realize it until later. And I've got like two. I almost look like baseball pit, like stripes. Like I'm wearing a jersey. I've just got a dark, like it doesn't show up on camera, but I got the big red stripe going on there. Uh, Nick Feldman says he's gonna be at Saratoga August 5th for Whitney Weekend. I know the dudes will be there as well. Uh, be a great time. Let us know if you're ever going to be at the track, especially Saratoga. Love to see you guys if we're going to be there and hang out. Uh, thanks again for watching. You can make sure you follow us on Twitter. If you're not, I'm at Curtis Kelloward. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. Lots of great content going up on the channel today and tomorrow. 
make sure you check that out as well as all week long and again we've got Haskell stakes coming up this weekend. We've got uh, the Curlin stakes, which is going to have a big attention. So, in uh, Del Mar opening weekend and Husker Butch running back at Perry Meadows. So, lots of fun stuff happening there. Until we show up next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And Husker Butch, apparently, is more important than Del Mar opening. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck this week, everybody. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.